Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Aaron Zuber, and this is one episode in a series of three podcasts and related ebooks providing insights from industry leaders designed to inspire you to lead boldly in your organizations. Today, I'm joined by Drew Kerner, who is our healthcare provider chief architect. And we also refer to him as a CTO uh, for providers. And actually, before he joined ServiceNow, Drew has a really interesting career path. He spent a number of years on the practitioner side, getting to know the systems and processes that help to run a healthcare organization. From there, he joined VMware and helped them spin up what would become their medical vertical. And over the last three and a half years at ServiceNow, he's done the same here. A lot of the capabilities, the process flows, uh, digital clinical workflows, and some of the newer products that have come out have been a direct result of his leadership, um, his vision for taking the platform to not only where it is today, but also where it could go in the future. So very creative, uh, very innovative. And today, the conversation that we have is really around innovation and creativity and the differences between the two, but also the similarities of both and, and how that's significant. More importantly, how you as a leader can successfully recognize, leverage, and implement those in your space to be more successful in your in your vision and your strategy execution. Uh, it's it's great to have you out here, and and there's especially it, it feels like we we just we've you know worked through our way through 2020, right? What, what a year, and we're trying to go you know through 2021, addressing you know vaccinations and and. Uh, and finally getting outside of the quarantine when, when possible. And, and I think we've had enough screen time over the last several months to say, hey, you know, how can we kind of reimagine the way that we're, we're doing things, uh, re-examining workflows. And, and the, it, it, this is obviously a podcast, but there's a, for those of you that, that might be listening and have not read the blog, there's an, a, day, there's a, uh, a blog that goes along with, with this um, creativity versus innovation. And, and in there, I, I, um, and I think I've shared this with you before, Drew, this story where, um, you know, organizations, you know, sometimes we struggle with the idea of being creative versus what does it mean to take that creativity, creativity and innovate as a result of those creative things. And I, I, I write in, in the blog about this, this one particular experience I had with, with one of the organizations that I was involved with in the past and the, the CEO, um, the CIO rather holds up this imaginary Swiffer and says, Hey, uh, this is innovation. And what she was talking about was the, um, as an executive at Procter and Gamble, there was this, this idea of taking this, you know, dryer sheet and putting it on the end of a broom. And there's a lot more that, that happened behind the scenes, obviously, but this idea that it's not just a creative idea, but it's the whole way in which they took that idea to market. And it became what you and I know today as Swiffer. And so for, for those of you that, that, you know, have just, you know, heard who you are and don't really know what you do, you, you've been helping to take the creativity that we have within, within ServiceNow and help to produce different things that are innovative and going, and going to market. And so I was just hoping that maybe you could talk a little bit about some of those, some of those thoughts around creativity versus innovation, what that means to you. And then maybe we could go back and forth with, with a couple other ideas. Yeah, and, and and again, it's it's a great blog that Aaron wrote, and and the way that I would kind of summarize it is, and Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong here, is is creativity is almost the the seed for innovation, right? Where 
you know, the innovation is going to be the piece that is to think of that corn seed is, you know, how do you get to the point of having that big cornfield and making it repeatable over time, right? And, and it's, it's interesting because I think, you know, if you look at just the core of what we do, you know, a lot of people uh, at their core are very creative, right? But it is a different skill to apply that creativity towards innovation in that repeated fashion. And one of the things I think that kind of spawned my mind is, one of the one of the concepts that I use a lot when I talk to other healthcare customers and relay back to my previous history is you know I use and you've seen me talk about this the old Einstein slide where it says we can't solve problems the way we did when we when we thought about them five ten years ago right and you know healthcare in general it's not that we don't have a non-innovative or non-creative way of doing things it's that if we're too creative we we got to be careful because we're going to affect patient lives and so in that aspect we have to be we have to be prescriptive because again, those are the pieces that we're going to have to uh, apply to that equation because again, we can't go do something crazy and off the reservation for, you know, to, to do some new surgical method because that's just not gonna fly. Uh, we can be a little bit more creative on the technology side because again, we can be a little bit more repeatable from that aspect too, which which we can touch on too, so. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really important um, call out that you just made. And I, I think I would summarize it as balance, right? So you have this, this idea where you have a vision, you want to go somewhere, but there's also the, 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 these opposing forces that are going to keep us between those navigational beacons. And so what really is it? How can we be daring um, as an organization without being reckless? And um, I know you've worked with a lot of, um, gosh, you, you could probably rattle off 20 off the top of your heads, you know, top tier healthcare organizations across the globe that you've worked with. What, what are some of the what are some of the things that you've noticed with these organizations that are always pushing the, the limits with it? Is there anything in particular about them that they, they've really cracked the code? Is it, is it just happens chance or are they, is, there, is there something consistent in their DNA? Yeah, I think there's a couple things. And, and again, there's no set equation, I think, to answer your question, right? It's going to be variable and at its core. Um, the one thing I would say is that a lot of times it starts with an individual. Kind of driving that conversation whether it's a chief digital officer or whoever that looks like it can be a cio it can be you know someone on the service now platform owner that's doing some really cool stuff there's one down in arizona that that is again it's just kind of really individual driven um the other thing i would say too is that um the, you know the the ones that have been successful have good direction and strong leadership from above as well too to enable their their folks to be able to do that and, you know, in parallel, I would say, and, and again, just I'm still stemming back to my old hospital days, Rulon Stacy, our CEO's voice still echoes in my head that say that uh, we, everything we do is in the pursuit of, of world, uh, world-class patient experience. And we actually measured that by being in top 10% of our quality measures. And so he basically said, even if you're in IT or finance or, you know, admissions or wherever you were, facilities, maintenance, like you were part of that patient care process. And so... The successful ones have really, you know, again, from that top-down leadership between, for me, Rulon and Russ Branzell, our CIO, were, were kind of cascaded down to us and able to do some of those cool things. Um, and, and again, uh, we were we were really pushed to do so as well, too. Um, one other thing I would say, too, is, um, you know, sometimes, and this is a little bit stereotypical, is it's easier to do it at a, as a, at a medium-sized system, medium to smaller, because you do have um, more flexibility. Whereas if you get up to those large, large, large organizations, 
I like to say it's hard to move the Titanic <laughs> for the big, big systems of the world too. Not to say it still can't happen, but it's just hard based on some of the siloed organizations that I think we're going to talk about here as well too. Yeah, that's, that's a, you hit on so many things there. I think kind of backing up just a half a step, the, it seems like you had a, a really a unifying vision, right? So for your safety measures, for example. So I think in, in your example, that was, that was really what defined the pace and the direction right around, around patient safety. Is that correct? It was, you know, and, and just to give you an example, and it's, um, you know, I, not to pat myself on the back too hard. I know I've told you this story is, you know, I wrote the labels that, that printed up the, but it said med verification that printed up our medication variables or medication labels back on these old Genicom printers out of Meditech and then our wrist brands to, to match up the actual uh, patient. And obviously this is integrated into EMRs now, but um you know, how often as a developer can you say that you save lives? And that is, again, because of that leadership. It wasn't because really of anything that I did. It was just an initiative we had as a system. And again, pushing that innovation was definitely a, a top-down perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's so important to have that to, to have that vision and to have it have that top-down approach. I really feel like um, some some really creative ideas fail to take seed in an organization because they're not realized at, at the correct level and leadership isn't embracing them. So it's kind of a struggle for saying, hey, you know, how are we sourcing creative ideas from the folks that, that know the process? And in this case, back to your example would be, be you when you make this, you know, this, you know, this, uh, you know, very creative application, right? Uh, in this case, the labels, right? But you have, you know, what, what would have happened if, if that wasn't embraced by leadership? So it seems like your example shows a, a really good connection between the vision and then your ability to execute towards that vision as well. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, it really requires both, right? And just having the the formula in place to be able to do that. And and again, you know, back to the blog article, again, I think that's where really it's helping facilitate that creativity with the person and making it innovative, right? Like that's again kind of the path and Again, there's no set formula, but that's uh, was really critical. And by the way, that that that's anywhere. That's here at ServiceNow. Again, that's that's really uh, again not not like a, a new theory necessarily, but um, but it is it is um, you know it is nice to have that formula in place to be able to do some of these cool things, right? Mm -hmm. With um, I was reading through um, uh, that that book, Humanocracy, that I that I reference, and it it talks about you know, creating organizations as amazing as the people inside of it. And it goes in a lot of detail about, a, about a, a myriad of different examples and different ways that leaders can kind of tap into this. But it, it's one of the things I kept coming to again and again was, is, and they, they reference startups a lot. And, and I, I feel like, you know, we were, we talk to leaders and organizations and they're, they're almost as far removed from a startup as you could get. They're, they're established organizations, but um, in, in humanocracy, they say that startups, the employees think and act like owners. So uh, taking ownership is a very, very important piece of this. And you already kind of hit on it with, with the, you know, the, the line of sight to the vision, but could you maybe give, give some thoughts, maybe an example about, you know, how you see like a leader that is taken this organization said, hey, we're going to do something new. This is the way we've always done it. 
this is a neck. This is the next step that we see coming, and, and this is how we're going to achieve that. Is there anything that comes to mind, or anything you you've seen recently that that kind of echoes that that ownership thought? Yeah, and 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 again, actually, I can apply it to even the previous conversation. Is you know, it helps to have uh, again the strategic initiatives outlined so that you can map progress as well too. So, again, one of the things that we do a lot of times there at ServiceNow is to say, hey what are your strategic initiatives as a system? You know, usually there's gonna be something around delivering high quality, low cost patient care. You know, basically that's typically, there's gonna be multiple statements that are kind of along, aligned with that. And, you know, that's where ideally where you're gonna apply the technology and the, and the process and the people to that, pro, to that piece as well too. So, so to get back to your question, we actually had a great formula back in the, my old hospital days at Poudre Valley Health System, where our CEO had a balanced scorecard. Um, our CIO had one that had aspects of that that boiled up to the top level balanced scorecard that came all the way down to me where each individual had to have something that mapped to that high level initiative. And we tracked that over time too. And, 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 and I think that's a big part of the reason why we, we won the, the Malcolm Baldridge National Quality Award is because we were constantly driving towards you know, improving that world-class patient experience. And so, and, and we have the same, again, I'm sure that everyone has their mission statements. You can, you know, every hospital system out there, but every company will have those initiatives that they're mapping towards. And again, and, and again, that's kind of back to the, our previous piece of this conversation is knowing where you fit into that equation, driving that and kind of living, living by it to a certain extent too. Like I'd still say, even though I'm on the vendor side with ServiceNow that my job is still to provide world-class patient care, right? So even though I'm, I'm two layers removed from that, right? Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a, a perfect, I'm, I'm, I'm looking through these, you know, my, my questions for you and, and uh, you hit on a number of things. One, one is the line of sight. So having this, this overarching goal and these missions, and then making sure that folks in the organization that are supporting them are, are aligned with the things that they're doing. And, and there's a clear understanding of where it, it comes into play in terms of the overall vision. So that's, that's immediately important. My, my question comes in and you kind of already hit on this, but it, there was a time, at least for me in, in the healthcare organization that I worked with, where we saw, we saw vendors as a, Hey, you're, you know, you're kind of a, a, a necessary evil or a means to an end, right? We're going to handle things. That's, that's shifted with, and humanocracy gets to this a little bit where, where since, since there is a, a limited amount of resources, uh, and bear with me while I make this point, they, they talk about there being a limited amount of resources. So, so seeking out the experts is very, very important in order to scale. And I see as technology is accelerating, especially in the healthcare space, the need for partnerships, vendor partnerships, is, is immediately evident. And so we see this in a number of ways, whether it's the adoption of the EHRs across the platform for meaningful use, or we see different innovations in other spaces that aren't necessarily developed in-house, but this is more of a, you know, what are, what are our missions and how do we invest in certain things that are gonna take us the direction we went? And, and I guess my question to you is really tying that back to how do you feel how do leading companies and individual leaders, how are they leveraging their, their vendor partnerships to innovate, to get to that next level? And you mentioned it a little bit, but can you- Yeah, talk? so I'll give you a really good example and um, just top of mind since I just did this a week and a half ago is 
um, I actually participated in a vendor summit that a that a hospital system provided. And basically, we had a full day session with 19 different vendors where the hospital system down in Southern California provided out their list of strategic initiatives, what they were doing. They actually presented to us what their three-year strategic roadmap was for innovation and strategy. And then all 19 of us spent 20 minutes, and this included Apple, Dell, EMC, VMware, a number of partners, Sirius, Genius, and, and us. And so basically the output was how can you guys all work together to help us solve this problem with the understanding that you're going to have sometimes competing and or overlapping functionality. And I've done it a couple of times before down at, uh, in Louisiana and a couple other places, but it's, it's really a unique opportunity because it's going to, to, to force the partnership to a certain extent. And I think partnership sometimes is overused wrong by the customer and by us um, because the partner a partnership is not a bigger discount and on our side it's not like a, hey help us help us do x y or z partnership is really having a cadence to have that agreement to for that mutual cause and i and i do think that that again this vendor summit's a good way for us to kind of lay down our swords with some of our competitors even and say hey let's work together with you know with each other to get to the initiative that that this hospital system has. I'm not sure if I can say the name yet, otherwise I would, but uh, Mr. Kegley down there in Southern California would hopefully appreciate it. But I, I think it was a really cool exercise. And you know, I'm looking forward to talking to some of our brothers and sisters at the other vendors to help that system with their cause too. And the cool thing is again, not to go uh, to service now, but you know, we're integrated into already a lot of those conversations. So all, all we, we really are looking to do is to make some of those other pieces and processes work better, which is a nice place to be, right? Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. I, I love to hear that. You know, there's there's summits like that out there where you you put press pause on the saber rattling and and you try to to align to the uh, to the customer's goals, which in healthcare, I mean, is really important to everybody. Um, so I think I think taking advantage of that with this specific industry is really important. Um, hey, we've we've uh, we've covered a lot of ground here. Um, I had just a couple. A couple additional questions before we close. Um, number one, is there when you're when you're working with a with a with a healthcare system or you know a customer of ours, is there kind of this appropriate risk or reward approach that you've seen work? Like if if they're kind of trying to step into something but they don't want to overcommit, like is there is there a good thought process or approach that you've seen work um, for folks that have become ended up becoming really successful in whatever that was? Um, <laughs> Us. Yeah, there's, there's a couple different pieces. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about digital transformation here. And that's a pretty, pretty vague term, but I try to keep it pretty, we, we in general try to keep it pretty prescriptive, and actually measure the effect of digital transformation and actually use an index to get there. And it's, you know, if you talk to our CIO, Chris Betty, or anyone on that team, you know, that's, that's, at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is to measure digital and or the automation of those processes. And so that, and we, we calculate it, right? And it can be on hours spent, time saved, you know, um, money saved as part of our part of, part of automating a process with the DTI. And we have five, seven, five different stages on how to get there. And so what we would typically do, and there's a, a couple different methodologies there, and I know you've been a part of is to use either our design thinking process with our solution innovation team to say, 
you know, hey, what are the, what is the problem that we're trying to solve, you know, and what is the best way to solve that in order to come out with that, that desired outcome. So if it's something like creating a better patient experience, which is hopefully someone's aspiring towards, you know, for one system, it might be digging into quality measures and improving, you know, the reporting aspect of their discharge process, or it might be something around, you know, um, something around the experience while they're in the hospital or, you know, some of those types of things. So that's the piece that's going to vary, but having that formula in place and that process around applying and having in mind some sort of standard, whether it's a digital transformation index or something to measure that is pretty critical because otherwise, to me, you can't just check the box <clears throat> and say you're done. It has to be iterative and it has to be measured over time too, to make sure that you're progressing through that digital transformation journey. Yep. Yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I'm just wondering, like, as you're, as we're talking here and there's, there are folks that are going to be listening to this and, and uh, maybe there's a, a leader or an organization that's kind of on the fence. In closing, what, what would you encourage them to do and, and to get out of this conversation? Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I think I'd go back to that Einstein slide and say, think about things a little bit differently, right? So if you, you go and even back again to your blog, like that's where, you know, a lot of those leaders out there are going to hopefully listen to this and, and get, get um, press the reset button. And just because you've done that paper process or that pager or whatever that process is for the last you know, 50 to 100 years, if the hospitals have been around that long, doesn't mean it's the right way. It's challenge yourself to to really examine some of those processes and and think about, again, and it's not just your your vendor partners, but your the whole entire process a little bit differently because they, someone, out, someone else out there has probably done something similar and or different. And so, you know, that creative, uh, that collective creative collaboration can be sometimes pretty cool too, so. Um, so that's that's what I would say is again think about it a little bit differently and and engage some of your partners too to say hey what is what is that hospital down the street doing across the street you know even though they they might be competitors to you maybe they're doing something a little better because at the end of the day it's all of our responsibility to to improve that patient care process. Drew, thank you so much for the time. As always, it's been a pleasure. That's all we have for today's show. I hope this time provided you with a few ideas that will inspire action in your own organization and help you continue to move forward in your leadership journey. Make sure you check out the eBooks and other podcasts in the series. Please don't forget to share your thoughts and feedback and pass along to your own networks. Thanks for your time. And as always, keep moving forward.